Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya Namayanam Namaskritya Naramchaiva Narotavam Devim Sarasvatim Vyasam Tato Dayamudirayat Nasta Priyeshu Abhyeshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavajutama Sloki Bhaktir Bhavati Daistiki Vajana Trivanandasya Jana Jana Salakaya Chakshun Militani Nitasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Vajakoptu Vishya Krupasinabe Vajya Titanam Pavanavyo Vaishnavijan Namaha So good evening Another Saturday night Doesn't get better than this Good association Beautiful deities and Harikatha. So we're discussing Krishna's pastimes in Raj, Raj Bhumi, his pastimes manifest, Prakat, uh, in these Saturday evening discussions. There's some, some real significance to a repeated hearing of these pastimes of the Lord and his associates in Raj. There are many different conceptions of the Supreme, what is Supreme, how he manifests, in what way he should be approached, what is the ultimate goal of spiritual pursuit. Srimad Bhagavatam itself acknowledges this, that different people approach the Supreme, the One Supreme, he's one non-dual substance, entity, uh, but he's approached differently. Brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagavaniti, Sabjate. So some are attracted just to the to the impersonal aspect, the energy of the Supreme, themselves relating to that, seeing no difference between that energy, that supreme energy and their very self, desiring to become part of that energy free of the influence of Maya, which is looked upon by that class of transcendentalists simply as an illusion, something that needs to be dissipated, um, <clears throat> misconception. So therefore they, they work very hard to, to clear their, their selves of, of mental, all mental facility. They want to clean the mind to the point that they don't use the mind at all and they can enter into transcendence thinking that the mind is the object that keeps us involved in the illusion of uh, material existence. So Brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagyavaniti, Sabhyate. Some transcendentalists, they recognize the uh, uh, their spiritual significance, but they also recognize that there's a distinction there's a distinction there also between themselves as a particle of, of spirit and um, and the whole so uh, this paramatma conception of uh, basic uh, beatific vision they enter into meditation in their meditation, 
they see the Supreme uh, situated within themselves and they meditate on that uh, in a way that uh, nurtures uh, uh, well we call it Santa Ross it's a, it's a neutrality it's a it's a, a vision of uh, as I said it's a beatific vision But they do recognize a distinction, so they they've come to the point of uh, of seeing a distinction between themselves and the supreme. But in seeing that distinction, there's not there's no sense in that class of transcendentalists of the necessity of of service, of exchange, other than of profound appreciation. And then we come to those people that recognize the Supreme in all his fullness and all his opulences and they're able to, with fine discrimination, uh, enter into an understanding of their subordination and um, their appreciation goes well beyond just an acknowledgement of the existence of the Supreme, uh, well beyond what we call Santa Ross. Uh, they actually see a necessity to perform some service, to do something of, of uh, to give some pleasure to the Supreme as the Supreme has provided all their pleasures in existence. And from there, the loving sentiment builds uh, from simply serving to uh, uh, fraternity to actually having a sense of of uh, of real deep friendship with the Lord so much so in some instances especially what we're speaking of Raj and uh, the relationship in Raj where the fact that this is this personality, this supreme, uh, uh, is set aside, and the friendship comes to the forefront. Parental affection and uh, loving conjugal affection. So, these different relationships uh, with the supreme. And the Vedas, uh, and of course the supplementary literatures in pursuit of that knowledge, uh, give detailed information of many different manifestations of the Supreme. Of course there are those manifestations, uh, expansions of the Supreme who, who provide a playground for the living entities, uh, a material playground uh, for them. We call those Purusha avatars, basically expansions of super soul, Karna Dakshai Vishnu, uh, Garbo Dakshai Vishnu, Kishiro Dakshai Vishnu, 
So, but there are many other manifestations of the Supreme which can attract the affection of the living entity. And the Vedas give some indication, and based on that attraction, uh, different classes of transcendentalists uh, who are personless, who see the Supreme as a person, and see the necessity to have affection for him over and above, over and beyond just simple appreciation of his being and uh, his existence uh, but actually what the affection has grown to the point of, of service or friendship or parental affection or conjugal affection so these different transcendentalists uh, according to their associates association with with saintly people who are uh, already in an affectionate relationship uh, some of that is coming to them according to those sadhus those great saintly people and the affection that they felt for the supreme their followers of those particular sadhus and the particular objective of the sadhu's love comes into various sampradayas. So these sampradayas have different different approaches to the supreme and they different uh, different manifestations of the supreme that draw their affection. They all think their Sampradaya is the best. Mm -hmm. And so do we. And we could make an argument with them. But at the point of deep affection, no argument will sway your heart. So even we see Sri Chaitanya came and he tried to give this Radha Krishna conception, uh, this appreciation for God where you don't know God's God and you don't know you're even the servant of God. You're so close that the love has, has come so much to the forefront that the Godhood has, has completely receded. So even he would have some, some, some people, some spiritualists, Devotees, Vaishnavas would come into his into his camp and say, "Well, it all sounds well and good. I'll do my best. I think your conception. I, I can't see anything wrong with your conception." And then after some time, they would see, "But I, my affection's grown to such an point for Ram. I can't take up this Krishna, Radha Krishna worship. Sita Ram is all." I actually only want to serve Hanuman. So, we call this, uh, Sanskrit term is prayoja, the objective. And our objective following, somehow we've come into contact with uh, 
great sadhus, great saints, tremendous devotees coming in the line of Lord Chaitanya trying to impart to us this this conception of uh, worship of the Supreme in such a way that we become so much in love, we fall so in love with the Supreme that we forget he's even Supreme. Uh, and we we truly are attracted. His sweetness overpowers all else in our attraction. All else is, is set aside. The sweetness comes so much to the forefront. Now, we may not have that taste yet. It may not have come to us. But we're associated with people that have the taste and we can see that it's very tasty from the way that they're always licking their lips because <laughs> from their lips this sound vibration is coming into our ears and we understand this nectar must have some great significance. So we're hearing. And there's some great importance to this continued hearing. And at the end of the pastime of Agasura that we've just discussed last week, this killing of Agasura, Agasura, this, this takes Krishna and Krishna's killing of demons to a whole other, other level, this Agasura killing. I mean, before Krishna just dispatched these demons, but it was... It was one-on-one. -on -one. The demons came to kill him, and he killed them. Bhutana came, tried to kill him. Okay, suck out her life. And the cart demon, knock over the cart, be done with it. The, the whirlwind comes and pulls him into the air, and what happens? He just weighs down the whirlwind, and done, dispatched. And... Uh, Bakasura comes. Bakasura's killing is directed towards Krishna and Krishna only. So up to this point, it's only been a demon coming after Krishna. All of a sudden, here's Agasura, and we've taken the fight to a whole other level. Because now the demon... His intent is not to dispatch Krishna. His intent is to dispatch not only Krishna, but Krishna and his associates. This makes for a real interesting scenario. So much so that we note when the cowherd boys and the calves run into the mouth of Agasura, Krishna's a little bewildered wait a minute here these are my devotees I don't want them to go in there and they went in there anyway how is that possible so this is this is this is not I'm not this is not I'm not ready I've got to do something about this and he goes in and he he dispatches with Agasura but you can see the fight has now come to a whole new level. 
because why you're attacking Krishna's devotees? And that was Agasura's intent. Agasura said, I will kill all in Vraj. The whole community will die. Because if I take the children, their hearts will all be crushed. So that's, that's a simple solution. You just come in and you just kill all the children. Everybody else will be gone. They won't be able to live through it. So now, Krishna has grown up a little bit. He's out there learning how to take care of the calves. And it's not baby play anymore. Although, to us, he's still a baby. He's still at his uh, Kumara age. So he's in his Kumara age. And just finishing up. Actually, his associates are in their Kamara age. He's actually already gone beyond that because he matures a little bit faster than all the other boys that he associates with, although he's at the same age chronologically. So, He's killed Agasura. And Sukadev Goswami is relaying this pastime to Maharaj Parikshit. And at the end of the pastime, he says, So, this pastime uh, was related to the older people back home. They didn't go on the picnic that day. Uh, A year later the Palgundu age. These boys had aged and now they were actually youths. Not youth. Children. Childhood. Young boys. Young boys. So, Marsh like, Sukadev's relating this, how this has happened. Wait a minute. Why a year? That doesn't make any sense to me. You have to say what... You can't just tell me, oh, it wasn't relayed for a year. I mean, there had to be a reason. It didn't just happen by chance. What the boy... These kids, they're not going to, you know, leave something like that. Something as significant of, hey, we walked into the mouth of a demon and all the calves went with us and we were basically gone. We were dead. I don't know if we were unconscious or actually physically dead. I don't even know. But Krishna came in and blew the the head of the demon off. He ran out, he went out into space and then all these flowers started falling and there's all these drums are pounding and all these really strange people were like clapping and just dancing for joy that Krishna had killed this demon. It was quite a show. Now, would they not have told their parents that the very night that they got home? I don't think so. That's not their nature. So, Sukadev, why are you telling me they didn't tell their parents for a year? What's the reason for this? So 
So Sukadev, um, he compliments Parikshit Maharaj. I mean, imagine Parikshit Maharaj is on the verge of death. He hasn't eaten or slept or even had water for for days. So. And Sukadev's there, and he, Sukadev is a sage. He can, you know, not drinking water and not eating. It's like, he, he, well, he's so detached from his body, he can walk naked in front of young girls, and they, they recognize he has not a, not a pinch of lust in him. You know, here's, here's a king, you know. So Sukadev's like, oh, I can speak forever because I, you know, but here's a king. How qualified is this individual I'm talking to? He just won't, the questions just won't stop. He just keeps, every time I come to a point, he just says, well, you have to tell me more. You have to give me more. Tell me what, what's happening. Why did the young boys, the Kamaras, not tell the pastime until they were at the next age, Pagunda? Why? So, he complimented uh, Sukadev Goswami and uh, he proceeded to, uh, to give some indication of the importance of this hearing and he 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 through his compliments he brought out a very important point the point being that these pastimes are ever fresh there is they are so deep they are non-different from the supreme lord and your thirst to hear being unquenchable is testament to your spiritual position. This and this alone is significant and sufficient to grant all perfection to your life. This simple desire to hear is all that's required for spiritual perfection. He makes that clear to Maharaj Parikshit. And of course, Parikshit's, how could I be, you're, you're, this compliment is beyond, beyond my capacity to accept. It's not correct. So Vishwanath points out in his commentary, said, when Sukadeva addressed Parikshit as the best of the devotees, Bhagavata Totama, the king inquires, how I am the best amongst Krishna's devotees? Sukadeva answers, because you always taste the topics of Krishna as fresh. Even if you have heard them before, 
you perceive the pastimes of Krishna to be newer and newer. This is Sukadev's. Because this is the nature of your hearing, that it is so inquisitive. Well, that's what Parikshit means, inquisitive. He's, he's so inquisitive, so anxious to know every single detail every aspect, every fine philosophical point, every detail, not only philosophically, but poetically and practically. What was Krishna wearing that day? Where was, you know, where, where were the, what kind of gemstones? What kind of calves? How did he call them? How did he play the flute? How many flutes? What color for the flutes? What were the flutes made of? How many cowherd boys? How many calves? You said one and how many zeros? I mean, they wouldn't fit in Vrindavan. Oh, but they can't. They don't have to. Oh, the whole universe is there. Okay, let's go on. That's the nature of Sukadev's inquiry. It's unquenchable. His thirst for Krishna Katha in every aspect. Sukadev says, O king, kindly hear me with great attention. Although the activities of the Supreme Lord are very confidential, no ordinary man being able to understand them, I shall speak about them to you. For spiritual masters explain to a submissive disciple even subject matters that are very confidential and difficult to understand. Well, this, is, this is the position of the spiritual master. According to the inquiry, he answers. And all confidential information is revealed. Everything. This questioning and the answering is so important to our spiritual advancement. So why was there a year lapse in between the disappearance, you know, the killing of Agasura and the relaying of the pastime? Well, that brings up a very interesting story. So Agasura, as I said, this was a big commotion. I mean, this was a big kill for Krishna. Well, it's actually a big liberation for Agasura. A huge liberation. A liberation over and beyond all other normal liberations. Gently, when Krishna dispatches a demon, the demon's allowed to, you know, enter into his body or merge into his effulgence. But here's Agasura penetrating the coverings of the universe and going into the Vaikuntha realm. And Brahma's observing this and he's hearing this big concert below and in all the heavenly planets. I mean, everybody is so excited about this. And this is exceptional. Agasura, unlike most demons, got a form like that of the supreme personality of God himself, Lord Vishnu. 
That's he was totally inimical. He had no devotion. Up to the point of his dis being dispatched. So this was this was quite quite a feat. So Brahma even Brahma takes note of this. Comes down in an invisible form to observe what is going on here. That's amazing. Krishna has some pretty far out powers. I have far out powers. He has good powers. But I am the. Yeah. I did create the whole universe. I got some mystic opulence of myself. And, and as I said, he's seeing this this manifestation of the Supreme Lord standing there with uh, you know some yogurt in his hands. They finally have sat down to breakfast after this killing, and you know they find a beautiful place in the, the bank of the river, beautiful sands, and uh, the calves are all there. And Krishna is displaying a magnificent opulence in his relationship with the cowherd boys because they all wanted to sit directly in front of Krishna and not take their eyes off of him. So they're all around him. It's like the swirl of a lotus. And Krishna's in the very center. And they're all seeing, well, Krishna's lo looking just at me. Wow, this is great. He's, everybody else is like, he's, they're over there and in the sides, but he's looking right at me. I'm right here eating lunch with Krishna. I'm taking his, he's taking mine. Right in front of me he is. And they're all thinking and experiencing this by Krishna's special potencies. They don't want to give it up for a moment. This, they're joking. They're sharing foodstuffs. Uh, they're having a great time. But where's the calves? Oh, Krishna's. Oh, Krishna's feeling some some concern. Oh, I don't want you to give up your lunch. You stay here. You finish your lunch. I'll go out, I'll find the calves and be back in a moment. Don't even concern yourself with it. I'll take care of it. Come on, you saw the demon I just killed. You think I can't find a few calves? Won't be hard. So he leaves to go find the calves. And as he's gone to find the calves, Brahma says, well now I think I'll just use a little, show my little, I have some power too. So he, he steals all the cowherd boys. And the calves, and he puts them away in some cave, so that Krishna can't find them. Well, the commentators, especially Vishwanath, Vishwanath's like, wait a minute, whoa! Rewind here. We're talking about Krishna's eternal associates. No Brahma is going to be able to bewilder or steal Krishna's. Nichasiddha devotees, that's just not going to happen. He's just a Brahma. These are Krishna's associates. So, 
Although the Bhagavatam saying that Brahma stole the cows and the calves, actually, let me tell you, Yoga Maya created another set of cows and calves from the material, you know, that, that Brahma could could actually bewilder and, and, and steal because he can never touch Krishna's cows and calves. Not possible. It's just like you, we have another uh, at the at the end of uh, um, practically at the end of Krishna's manifest pastimes. The Yadus apparently beat each beat each other to death with iron clubs due to a curse, but we know factually that did not happen. That was just a trick of Krishna's external potency to what? Well, to satisfy those that have a mentality that really there are no spiritual people in the world. There is no God. And these people are the same as all the other people. They all die the same way. They all got drunk and just beat each other to death. Mm-hmm. Actually, no way. It's not possible. These are Krishna's eternal associates. So, Vishwadas points that out, that actually, if you really want to know the truth, if you look at the pastime, there's actually three sets of cows and calves. <laughs> one is the one that Yogamaya created so Brahma could think that he s- stuck them away when he couldn't really do that. The other actual the cowherd boys were still running off and playing with Krishna for the year they were not separated from him for that period and then Krishna manifested his own form as all the cows and calves in order to satisfy uh, a particular desire that the other residents of Raj had to enter in and have Krishna closer to them. Their affection for Krishna actually exceeded the affection they had for their own children. And uh, the affection that the cows had for the calves also, uh, their affection for Krishna uh, exceeded that. This is how Vishwanath writes in his commentary. After meditating for some time, Brahma thought, I will use my power of omniscience to understand this. Whoops, I went too far ahead. Uh, This is how he writes in explaining what I just uh, told you. Thus, when Brahma desired to steal the boys and calves, Yogamaya hid the real boys and calves, and Mahamaya instantly produced exact replicates, replicas for Brahma to steal. So Yogamaya hid the boys and calves, not Brahma. She has that bewildering ability of Krishna's to bewilder Krishna's associates through love. Mm. 
So they were covered and in hiding by Yogamaya for that whole year? Well, there's another, although I, it doesn't say it in the commentary, there is, when we come to the point where Balaram, remember, Balaram's not here. He stayed home. Had to get ready for his birthday, or it was his birthday, and Krishna was out there, you know, without Balaram. So, at the end of the year, the Yoga Maya, Yoga Maya had to cover Balaram for that whole year. Because Balaram... Krishna didn't want Balaram to be separated from Sridham and Sudam. didn't want him to be suffering some separation from the cowherd boys. So in, the, in that, when they're explaining that, Sukadev's explaining that, and then Vishwanath is writing about that. It's like Vishwanath, the way I read Vishwanath's commentary, it's interesting. It's like, here you have what Sukadev is telling Maharaj Pariksit, but then under the surface... You have Vishwanath giving you this inside line on, you know, okay, Sukadev's talking to Maharaj Parikshit at a certain level. But I know there's some, some, some of you readers out there are really into the rasa, into praying. You really want to know what's, you know, what's happening under the hood of the, of the leela. So let me let me let's open the hood and I'll tell you what's gone underneath. It is. It's not that Sukadev didn't know or Pariksit didn't. It was just well, we'll go there now. You know, you're reading my commentary. I like to give something that's that's uh, a little uh, a little confidential, a little more confidential. And there are people that can give even more confidential. I mean, this is the nature of what we are we are dealing with. This is unlimited confidentialities being revealed by these acharyas. So it's kind of a way you can see Vishwanath bringing out these things to his, to his readers for our benefit, uh, taking us a little deeper into the, the pastimes. Does that touch upon what you're looking for or... You want what to know what they were doing? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, what? Like yeah, what are they doing for a year? There's three sets. Okay, the one set. Not the one set's just... The they were just created in order for Brahma to think yeah. that he could touch or do anything with it. But they, you can't. He couldn't touch the real... The real... Krishna's real associate. Krishna well, he manifested himself. himself so yes. The, the cows and the goats. Now, the other ones... The other ones... They were separated. So, Krishna wasn't separated from them, is what Vishwanath points out. Krishna wasn't separated. He wasn't feeling separation from them. Well, that must have been that that, that relationship was still there. Now, whether they were conscious or unconscious or whatever, that, that we don't get that oh. input. But the reason is that that Balaram was kept in illusion by Yogamaya for a year and then gradually brought out of it so he didn't flip you know uh, gradually he was brought out of it we'll go through those steps of how he was pulled out of it uh, next week uh, <laughs> it was because of he would feel separation from them so 
that would lead us to think, well, Krishna was not feeling any separation from them. Now, whether he was content, whether they were actually, well, the pastimes were unmanifest. So, apricot. So that they, you know. But then on the other hand, they thought the pastime had happened that very day. Right. So that would lead you lead us to believe that they weren't engaged in other pastimes yeah. during that moment of Brahma when he stole a replicant of them created by Mahamaya. This is this is where we like to go with these. Why? How did that happen? Well, what could have happened? That's what Vishwanath says. Well, no, it's not possible. Brahma couldn't steal. It's not here. Let me give you a thousand verses to tell you how the the someone who's eternally liberated is never affected by the modes of material nature. What's Brahma? He's in charge of a mode of material nature. His energy doesn't go that far. He can't do that. That's an interesting point. It's quite nice. Well, what's that mean? Well, then how'd the pastime go on? I'm reading in the Bhagavatam, it says Brahma stole the cows and the calves. Well, no, he, he didn't, he didn't. <laughs> he stole what he thought were the cows and the calves. He got a replica made by Mahamaya to satisfy his desire to bewilder Krishna and show his power. Made by Mahamaya. Isn't that what he says here? Yogamaya hid the real boys and the calves, and Mahamaya instantly produced exact replicas for Brahma to steal. That's Vishwanath's commentary. Mm. Sita also. There was a replica Sita that made by Mahamaya. We could assume so. Or display anyway. Of course, she is, and it's her expansion. So, all right. Uh, so Brahma is trying to show off his powers before Krishna, and he steals the cows and the cowherds, the calves, and uh, the affection grows between mothers and fathers for their children and the cows for their calves. Uh, and in this way, Krishna r- reciprocates with them in a very intimate way. Uh, and their affection continues to grow for this whole year uh, in the past time. Uh, so much so that One afternoon, the cows, the older cows, are grazing on the top of Govardhan Hill. And they see some fresh grass down below, and they have a desire for that, but then they see their calves. And they're overwhelmed with affection. So they proceed to run down the hill. They were running 
in such a way that it looked like they were running with two legs. <laughs> their tails are in the air and they're they're just they're and the road this is a very rocky, difficult, you know, course to travel, but still that nothing stops them. They just rush down the hill. They already have another set of calves. These calves that they're trying to give milk to haven't been, they're no longer on the, uh, taking milk from their mother. They're beyond that. But still, the calves, the cow's affection is so great that they, they, they're overwhelmed. Because here again, this is Krishna has manifested himself as all the calves. The cowherds become a little upset, actually. What's wrong with us? We can't even keep these cows where they're supposed to be. Look at them. Now we've got to go run after them. The road's all rough and they they go down, they start down to, you know, get their cows back in order and then they see their their sons and they're overwhelmed with affection. And they start they they just they run up to their sons, they embrace them, they smell their head. They're they're overwhelmed. And finally, they, f- they have to force themselves to go back to their duties. Balaram's like, something's going on here. This, is, this isn't, I mean, these cows, these calves aren't even, not even taking milk anymore. The cowherds, they, they were just, look at them, they just gave, dropped everything and just started hugging their children in the middle of the day? I mean, that doesn't happen. So in this way, uh, Balaram's trying to think what's going on here. And what's going on here is it's the end of my time. (laughs) Which means we'll continue this later. Are there any questions? Yes, sir. Now, I remember hearing in the past that Mabacharya wouldn't comment on this part of the Bhagavatam for I forgot what reason because they thought that the Guru can't be under a delusion or something. I don't know. I don't know if, I'm sure if you ever heard of that. I can understand why they would say if we're taught looking at the forefather of our Sampradaya, Brahma, so Brahma Madhvagodya Sampradaya, and here's here's the guru being illusioned. Uh, what kind of a sampradaya is this? So Brahma wasn't actually illusioned. That's an illusion to think that he could have been illusioned. So he probably was saying that would be a fault in a guru that he would be under the influence of the illusory potency of the Lord. But the Gaudiya would come back and say, well, it's not the external illusory potency, it's the internal illusory potency, which can even bewilder the Lord's eternal associates. And in bewildering the eternal associates, the praying, the affection, the love is increased. So it's not a fault, it's an ornament. The Leela itself was under the jurisdiction of Yogamaya. 
Um, in the beginning, you were talking about Shantaras and then having just a great appreciation for Krishna. Eutephic vision, yeah. But not having any desire to serve. And then Dasi Ras and on up to um, Madhurya Ras. Are those gradations of selfless love that's growing? Is it? Well, we can analytically say they would be graded and there would be a deeper affection by those in the Madhurya Ras and specifically this uh, Raj Bhakti of Parakya Ras. So the the Acharyas have looked at that and and graded it. But for those in the Ras, there's no question of grade. Is that where you were going? Yeah, but I, I just was wondering if it was in relationship to selfless love. Like it, we would say, we will say that there is no one more selfless than Radha, yes. Radha gives everything and then someone else to Krishna. <laughs> that doesn't get any more selfless than that. <laughs> so yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hare Krishna.